One could ask, why is this Masechta called Masechta Yuma? Why don't we call it Masechta Kippurim or Masechta Yema Kippurim? Why is it that we call it Masechta Yuma? So we could answer. Number one, it's really to identify this particular day as Hayoim, as the special day. Because after all, this special day is Yema Kippurim. Therefore, we're referring to it as Yoma, as Yuma, and it is this special day. We could also answer it from the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Dav Chafalaf Amar Aleph where the day of Yom Kippur is referred to as a Yema Rabbah, the great day. Since it's referred to as a Yema Rabbah, we name the Mesechta, Mesechta Yema, or as we call it, Mesechtas Yuma. It's interesting that in many places, we do not call this Mesechtas Yuma, but rather we refer to it as Mesechtas Yem HaKippurim. This Mesechta has eight prakim. The first seven prakim are about the Avoida of the Kayin Gadol on Yom Kippur which explain all the different pratim, as we learn in Parshas Acharemais, which is in Perak Tazayin of Ayikra. The eighth and final parak is about the halachas of the fast day itself, and in Yom, in Yonei Tshuva Vechapara. We know that the person who was responsible for the Avaida on Yom Kippur was the Kain Gadol. In fact, he was exclusively responsible for the Avaida on Yom Kippur, because no one else was allowed to do this Avaida on Yom Kippur besides the Kain Gadol. A regular Kain was not Roy for this special task. Our first Mishnah here in the Masechta tells us that the Kayin's Gadol's job did not really start on Yom Kippur itself, but rather he began a portfolio of hachanas, of preparations, seven days before Yom Kippur. These hachanas served a number of purposes. Number one, it was a time, the seven days were a time that the Zikne Bezdin would teach the Kayin Gadol all of the different halachas of Yom Kippur. They would learn through the halachas, so when it came time for Yom Kippur, he would be fluent in all the different things that he needed to do, and he would be very clear on how to do the different things. Number two, it was a time that the Kayin Gadol would practice doing the various tasks which he would be doing on Yom Kippur. For example, bringing the Karban Tamid, the Ketiris, and the Hadlakas Neris. And finally, it was a time when the Kayin Gadol was sequestered. He was taken to a special room on the Harabayas, and he would be put in an area there so he wouldn't potentially come into contact with different various types of tumas which could pasalem for the Avaida on Yom Kippur. And since the Kayin Gadol is the only person who could do the Avaida on Yom Kippur, we want to make sure that he doesn't become Tameh, because if he became Tameh, he would not be able to do these Avaidas on Yom Kippur. Now let us begin the Mishnah, here in Masech Yuma, beginning on Dath Beis, Amar Aleph. Shivas Yamim Kaidem Yom HaKippurim Mafrishin Kayin Gadol Mibesai. Seven days before Yom Kippur, we sequester the Kayin Gadol, we take him away from his house, and we put him on to the Harabais, Lelishkas Palhedrin. Now, the Gemara explains, the reason we take the Kayin Gadol away from his house is because we want to remove him from his wife. Why is that? Because we're afraid if she becomes a Suffolk Nida, it's possible that now he'll become possible, he will not be able to do the Avaida on Yom Kippur. And since that's Shechiach, it's very possible that that could happen, we want to remove him from that Chshash, and we take him away from his wife for these seven days. Since we know, as we said before, only the Kayin Gadol is allowed to do the Malacha, is allowed to do the Avaida on Yom Kippur, it's very important that we make sure that he remains Tar. These seven days where we remove the Kayin Gadol from his house are called the seven days of Prisha, where he is removed from his house. The reason the area on the Harabais and the Azara is called Lishkas Palhedron is named after a Greek word which deals with Pekide Hamelach. Now, in addition to the fact that we take the Kayin Gadol and we do Prisha with the Kayin Gadol, we also do something else, as the Mishnah says. Umaskinin lai kayin acher We invite a backup 
Kayan to serve as someone who was waiting on standby in case the Goyen Gadol should become Tomei before or on Yom Kippur. Now, this backup Kayan becomes the Kayan Gadol and could do the act for the Kayan Gadol, the acts of the Avaidah on Yom Kippur for the main Kayan Gadol. Why is this that we choose a backup Kayan? Shema Yera by Psul. Because we're afraid he might become Tameh, as we said before. Now, one of the interesting things is, is although we make, we designate a special backup Kayan for the Kayan Gadol to act as the Kayan Gadol in Kippur in case the first Kayan becomes Tameh, we do not make this Kayan Gadol, this backup Kayan, do Prisha. We don't remove him from his wife for seven days. Rather, we let him act and let him go forward with his life as usual. But we have him in the backup in case, but we don't make him go as far as doing Prisha. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says something else. Not only do we prepare a backup Kayan for the Kayan Gadol on Yom Kippur, before Yom Kippur, we also arrange that there should be a backup wife for the Kayan Gadol on Yom Kippur in case the wife dies. Why is this so important? Shema Tamus Ishtai. And if, the ish, if his wife dies, this is a problem. Why? Because the Pasuk says, Shanamar, V'chiper ba'adai uva'ad beisai. Beisai zu ishtai. The job of the Kayan Gadol on Yom Kippur is to be mechaper for the Klal Yisrael and to be mechaper for Beisai, which is for his house, in other words, for his wife. Now, if he doesn't have a wife, how is he going to be mechaper for his wife? Therefore, we prepare a backup wife for the Kayan Gadol, so in case she dies on or before Yom Kippur, he has a Beisai, he has a wife that he is also married to. And the Gemara later on will explain that he has to do this with a get, bitnai, because he's not allowed to have two wives. We'll see that a little bit later. Amrulai, so the Chachamim said to Rabbi Yehuda, in Cain, if we're afraid that the wife is going to die, ain't the safe. What if the second one dies? So we have to worry about every wife? Ain't the safe. You could say that the third one will die, the fourth one will die. Therefore, they don't worry about this at all. And the only designation that you make as a standby, as a backup, is for a Kayan. So the Kayan Gadol, in case something happens to him and he becomes possible. But you don't worry about a wife as a backup wife. And we actually paskin that the halacha is like the chachamim, that we only worry about having a backup to the kain gadol, but we do not worry about having a backup for his wife. And then Gemara explains that there's a difference between this. Why are we so worried about the kain gadol becoming tamay, but we're not worried about his wife, and we say in the davar for that? So the Gemara explains because the kain gadol becoming tamay is a davar shchiach. That's very shaykh to happen because it's not that hard to become tamay. Therefore, we make preparations. We have contingency plans in case that happens. By shenkin for the fact that the Kayin Gadol's wife may die, that's a Dabr Shalai Shechiach, so that we don't worry about. And for that we say in the Dabr Saif, therefore the Halacha is like a Chachamim, we only prepare a backup for the Kayin Gadol in case he becomes Tamei, but we do not prepare a backup wife in case his wife dies. Now let's begin the Gemara. The Gemara says seven days before the Sreifas Para Aduma, we also separated the Kayin from his house. The room in the Beis Hamikdash where the Kayin was sequestered to, was in the northeast side of the Azara. The Gemara then asks, how do we know the halacha of Prisha for a Kayin? So the Gemara answers, in the Pasuk of Kasher Asa Bayoim Hazeh. Just like there were seven days, Shiva Siameha Miluim by the Mishkan, so too with the Kayin Abayim Kippur and Paraduma. That's how you know the seven days of Prisha. Also the Gemara says, we learn from Agzera Shava, Tziva, Tziva. It's interesting to note that from this Gemara, some, some shitas bring a raya that para aduma, kriyas para aduma on Parshas para is midaraisa, and it's considered just like Parshas Zohar, which is considered a mitzvah daraisa. The Gemara attempts to bring rayas that all karbanas maybe also need prisha, and the Gemara says no. 
since they are not kavuale zman, there's no specific time, therefore they do not need prisha. The Gemara also attempts to say that other regalim need prisha, but this proves these also. Dat Gimel. We say that Shmini Atzeres has special halachas, and these special halachas make it a special regal bifne atzmai. And this is abbreviated with Pei Zayin Reish, Kuf Shin Beis. The Pei stands for pious. We say that there is a lottery needed for the special one day of Yontif, which the Kaihanim have in order to decide who actually gets to bring the Karbanas. Zion stands for Zman. This means that we recite a special Shachiyanu, because Shmini Atzeres is considered a special Yontif Bifne Atzmai. Reish is for Regal, but it's considered a special Regal. And since it's separated from Sukkot, there is no Yeshiva Bisukkah. Taisus also adds from the Pasuk for Nisa Babaykir of Yalachtal Yehalacha that Shmiyatzeres also needs Lina. Kuf is for carbon, referring to carbon Musaf, that only one bull was brought. Shin is for Shir, that a special Shir was sung by the Levium. And finally, Bez is for Birchas Hamelach, that a special Bracha was made only for special for Shmiyatzeres. The Gemara says when the Pasuk says Kach Lecha, we ask, does it mean that the carbon is brought from a person's personal wealth? or from communal money. Rabbi Yechanan says it's brought specifically from the Kayin's wealth, and Rabbi Yeshia says from the community. However, we say by the Karbanas of Yom Kippur, everybody agrees that the, Karb- the Kayin Gadol takes it from his own money. The commandment says that Karbanas Yom Kippur and the Miluim are similar, since both can only be brought by the Kayin Gadol. And we say that the lack of Prisha, as we mentioned before, we need Prisha for the Kayin Gadol, that is not Ma'akev, the Karbanas of Yom Kippur, they didn't do Prisha, this is not Ma'ak of the Karbanas. Why not? Since Prisha is not a Doraisa, but rather only an Asmachta. Taisa says this. Therefore, we are not Mechayev, the substitute Kayan, the person who is now waiting, stand by in case something should happen, or this particular Kayan Gadol should become Tame. We do not require the substitute Kayan to do Prisha. The Gemara says that the reason for seven days, why do we say seven days for Prisha and not another number? So Rabbi says it's due to the Shivas Yemei Hamiluim, and Reish Lakish says that it's due to the seven days Moshe Rabbeinu was separated by Har Sinai from the Shechina. Daftalat. We say not only on the first Yom Kippur did we need Prisha, but on all following Yom Kippurs, the Kain Gadol needs seven days of Prisha. And then we bring down the Pasuk, by Yishkain Kvait Hashem al Har Sinai. According to Rabbi Yaisi al-Haglili, this particular thing transpired after the Aseris Adibras, at the beginning of the 40 days before Matan Taira, that Moshe Rabbeinu was there. Rabbi Akiva says, this is the period from Rosh Sivan, before the Luchos were given, and that's when it enveloped the Har. Moshe was not even there yet. Therefore we see a Raya that we do not need Prisha. So the Raya to Reish Lakish is from the Shita of Rabbi Yaisi Haglili. The Gemara says that Torah was given via fear and trembling, and therefore we have to treat it that way today. As the Pasuk says, Ivdu es Hashem v'yira, b'yira, v'gilu b'yira the Makam Gila Sham Ra'ada, that we have to rejoice in trembling. We then say that the Tanakama holds Taira was given on Vav Nisan. In other words, the Aseris Adibris were given on Vav. And Maisha went up for the 40 days beginning on Zion Siva. But according to Rabbi Yaisi, the Aseris Adibris were given on Zion Nisan, and he also went up on Zion Nisan. In Masechta's Tainus, we know that on Shivasa Batamas, Maisha Rabbeinu came down from Harsinai and broke the Luchais. And speaking of Harsina, we say that by Harsina everyone heard HaKadosh Baruch Hu's voice. And we also say that Hashem grabbed Moshe, had to grab him, and forced him into the Anan, because he was afraid actually to go into the Anan himself. 
we see this from the word Besaich Ha'anan. The Gemara says that a person should first introduce himself to his friend before he tells him a particular message that he wants to tell him, as we see from the Pasuk of Aikra and Moshe, Vayedaber. First he called him and he introduced himself, then he spoke. And finally we say that a person should not repeat something his friend told him without his friend's rishus, dafei. We say that smicha, the mitzvah of smicha on a carbon, is not ma'akev a carbon in later generations. We say that there is a machlaikis if we dress and anoint the kain gadol, we dress him, in other words, with the shmeida begadim, every single day of the shiva simei hamiluim. The Gemara says from the pasuk of kichain tzuvesi in Parsha Shmini, that that teaches us that the Shiva Simehameluim, they were able to eat on those days, they were able to eat the Karbanas even though they were Ainanim. Normally we know that an Ainan is not allowed to eat, he's Osir to eat Kachim, but on those days they were allowed to eat it. And finally we say, by the Mitznefes, by the hat, and the Ksinus, the tunic, first they dressed Aaron, and then his sons. But by the Avnate, by the belt, there's a who was actually dressed first. Tafaf. The purpose of taking the Kain Gadol away from his wife, doing the act of Prisha, according to Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra, is to be sure he doesn't violate the halachas of Suffolk Nida. In other words, after relations, let's say, they realize that she was a Nida, so what does that mean? That means that during the marital relation, she was already a Nida. Therefore, now this claim would become Tameh for seven days, and he would not be able to do the Aveda on Yom Kippur. The Gemara says that called Tvilas, Tvilas and Bayayim, whenever a person has to be Tevil in a Mikvah, he has to do it during the day. Except, with the exceptions of Nida, the Yeledas, that we say those tefilasan balayla, those do the tefila at night. And in fact, today a nida goes at night. A man, though, who was bayal a nida, is a question when the tefila, whether it's by day or whether it's by night. The Gemara says that a person who is a nida or a bayal nida is able to be metama via mishkav umayshav. In other words, if he lies, he or she lies on a bed, this bed becomes a rishon latuma, which cannot be metama adam vikelem, but could be metama eichlen umashkin or something which is considered a Tuma Kala. However, there is no halacha of Tumas Mishkav Umayshav by a Tame Mes. We know that normally, in other cases of Mishkav, Tumas Mishkav Umayshav, except for this case before, before which we said of Bayal Nida, the bed actually does not become a Rishnal Tuma, but the bed becomes an Ava Tuma. And we know that an Ava Tuma can be Metama also Adam Vikalem. The Gemara says that we're worried about a Kayin becoming Tomei via Tomei Nida. So the Gemara asks, so why don't we worry about him becoming Tomei via Tumas Meis? So the Gemara answers, we don't apply Psul of Tumas Meis to Avoidus Tzibor. The question that we ask here is, is Tomei Meis considered Hutra B'Tzibor, which is the Shita of Reb Nachman, or Dechuya B'Tzibor? The difference between Hutra and Dechuya means, Hutra means it's not even a Halacha at all. Therefore, it's Lechatchila Mutter. Duchuya means it's really usr, but we say that we push it off because it's, we're dealing with something which is tzibur. Therefore, we push it off. Also, we say at Taretz, the Tamei Meis is not considered shchiach versus Bayal Nida, which it's considered shchiach. We know from Tmura that the, the special case of Hutra or Duchuya, the question of Hutra or Duchuya, is based on if a carbon is Kavuale Zman or not. And we say that there are numerous Nafkaminas if we say that it is Hutra or Duchuya. Number one. We know that the Mishmaras of Kahanim were divided into 24 groups, each taking certain weeks of the year. In each Mishmar, there were numerous Bate Avas, six or seven Bate Amas, Avas, one for each day of the week. Let's say, for example, an entire base Av became Tameh. 
do we now need to get Kohanim from a different Beisav or not? So this is totally if it's Hutra or Duchuya. If we say it's Hutra, we can be Mekel. If we say but it's Duchuya, we have to be a little more Machmer. Therefore, we would have to get Kohanim from a different Beisav. A different Nafkamin would be if a Kayan was bringing Mincha Sa'imer on the second day of Pesach, which is brought to be Matir Bichadash. And that's what is Matir Chadash and makes it into Yashan, so you'd be able to eat that. And this carbon became Tameh. So if there were no other Karbanas at all, do we tell the Kayan to be quiet and not to say anything about the Tuma, Or do we not say to be quiet or not? In other words, do we say to be quiet, Havi Pikeach Ushisaik? This is Talian Hutra and If you say that it's Hutra, then you have to be, you can be Mekel. If you say that it's Tuchuya, you have to be Machmer. It's interesting to note that the only carbon where even if a tzibor, if an entire tzibor is tame, you could still bring it anyway, is the carbon Pesach. Tafsayin. By all carbonas brought on a mizbeach, if it becomes tame, it can be brought anyways, as long as we have ritzoi tzitz. We know that the tzitz was worn on the forehead of the kain, so the availability of the tzitz helps to be machshir a carbon tzibor in all circumstances. However, a carbon yachit, ritzoi tzitz, only helps only if the emurim or the dam are not tame. However, if they are, then it does not help. If a kain himself becomes tame, then there is no concept of ritzoi tzitz at all. Also, we say that ritzoi tzitz is only used as a last resort. You cannot use it if there is another option. For example, if there is another kosher animal that's ready available, you're not allowed to rely on the heter of ritzoi tzitz. The government says, Hatzitz miratza al hadam. Basar, Chelev Shanitma Ben Bishagig, Ben Bemezid, Oynis, Ben Bishagig, Ben Bainis, Ben Baratzen, Ben Biyachid, Ben Bitsibur. And we say that the Machlaikis of Hutra or Duchuya is also Machlaikis Tanaim. I mean Yehuda holds it is Hutra, and Rab Shimon holds it's Duchuya. Amarabah Barahuna. Chayev Adam Lemashmesh Bitfilin Shalay Bhalsha Visha. A person is Mahuyev to touch and to check on his tfilin at all times. Kalbachimer mitzitz. Umatzitz she'ein ba'ela haskara. Achaz, tzitz, which only has the shame Hashem one time, Amar Taira, al mitzchai tamid, that a person has to check on it all the time. Shalai yisiach daite mimenu, he always has to be aware of it. Tfilin she'yesh bahen haskaras harbe, like kol sheke, that you're not allowed to be distracted at all, because it's got many times the shame Hashem. The Rush explains that when one wears tfilin, it is usher to speak dvarim betelim, or have discussions of levity. However, one is not mechuyev to be constantly thinking about the fact that the tefillin are on his head. However, Taisvis and Shabbos Daf Memtes and the Rajba argue on this rush, and they say that one must always think about the tefillin that are on his head, otherwise it's considered Hesach Hadas. The nafkamina between these two shitas is if Shinas Arai would be mutter or Asr while wearing tefillin. Tafches. Regarding Hazah, sprinkling, Rameir says for both the Kayan, before Yom Kippur, and for Parah Aduma, we would sprinkle it on all seven days. Rabbi Yaisi says, we only sprinkle on the third and on the seventh day. Rabbi Hanin Eskanai Kahanim says, by Parah Aduma, we sprinkle for all seven days, but for Yom Kippur, only on the third and on the seventh day. Rameir holds that one has a Chiv to do Tefillah at its proper time, and he equates Hazah to Tefillah. And Rabbi Yaisi holds, Le'amrin and Tefillah Bismana Mitzvah. We then say that a hazah is not daicha Shabbos, therefore we do not sprinkle on the day of Shabbos. The Gemara says that they used to change the Kayin Gadol every 12 months. And finally the Gemara says, bakers who purchase flour from an Amaretz, in other words, now it becomes a suffix, it's Demai, he only needs to take off Trumas Meiser and Chala.
Masha'enkein, regular people, must take off my serishin, my sersheni, and chala. Why is it we make a difference between bakers and regular people? Since it's too hard for bakers to have to schlep to Yerushalayim and be worried about my serishin and my sersheni, it's too much for them to schlep. Therefore, we make it easier for, for them, and they only have to take off trumas, meiser, and chala from demai. Daftas. Yiras Hashem Taisif Yamim Ushnais Rishayim Tikzarna. Zemikdash Rishon, this is referring to the first base Zemikdash, which lasted 410 years. The Zemikdash Shani, this is referring to the Bayashani, which lasted 420 years. And in terms of the Kohanim, the ones who were Tzadikim lived a long time, and the ones who were Rishayim lived for a shorter amount of time. The Gemara asks, why was the Mishkan Shilai destroyed after 369 years? The Gemara answers, because of Bizayan Kachim and Giloy Arayas. The sons of Eli, in other words, anyone who accused them of chatayim, they're only making a mistake. And the reason people were chayshish, that they did averis, was because they delayed the bringing of the karbanas. The Gemara says the first base Hamigdash was destroyed for three reasons. The second base Hamigdash was destroyed due to sinas chinam. Because we say that sinas chinam is tantamount to these three chatas, Abaydazara, Gili Arayas, and Shri Chastamim. The Gemaravan says that the nails of earlier generations were more chashev than the stomachs of later generations. In other words, earlier generations were more chashev, generally speaking, than the later generations. We then say that Reish Lakish was so chashev, people would do business with him without Adim. And finally, the Gemara says that the Shechina did not rest in the second base Hamigdash the way it did in the first base Hamigdash. We see this from the Pasuk of Yafta Elakim at Liyafes, the Yishkain of Yahaleh Shem, that it really only rests fully Yahaleh Shem, when the Jews are in complete control. Masha'en came when the Goyim have Shlit on us, then it does not rest fully. And since in the time of the second Beis Hamikdash, the Goyim had Shlit over us, it wasn't the same as it was in the first Beis Hamikdash. Tafyut. We say that Rome is destined to fall into the hands of Persia. And then we say that Mashiach will not come until the Malchus of Rome is spread over the world for a period of nine months. Then we have a Machlekes. The Tanakhama says that all of the chambers in the Beis Hamikdash did not have mezuzahs, except for the Lishkas Falhedron, which was a base dira for the Kain Gadol before Yom Kippur. So therefore, since it was a base dira, it had a Chiv Daraisa. Rabbi Yehuda says that the Falhedron did not have a mezuzah, which was Midaraisa, but only a Chiv Darabonon since it wasn't for year-round use, but it was only used for the week before Yom Kippur. So the Gemara asks, does a sukkah have a chiv to have a mezuzah? Rabbi Yehuda says, yes. And the Chachamim say, no. According to Rabbi Yehuda, since it's considered a residence, it's chayev in mezuzah. Erev chatseris and meiser, the reason it's chayev in mezuzah. And in fact, this chiv is made a because now it's considered a base dira. Since it's a base dira, it's also Chayav and Erev Chatseris. And since it's, a, it's now a house, it's Chayav and Meiser, because Meiser, the Chayav and Meiser, comes if it's raw Pnei Abayas, and now it's considered a house. So the Gemara asks, so why is the Lishkas Falhedron any different? According to Rabbi Yehuda, Lishkas Falhedron, he says, is only Chayav Midarabanan, and here he says that Sukkah is Chayav Midaraisa. So the Gemara answers, during the seven days before Yom Kippur, everyone agrees that the Lishkas Falhedron needs a mezuzah Midaraisa. The Oyemach Leikis is, if they were geyser, that you need a mezuzah on <coughs> the Liskash Falhedron during the rest of the year. If Yehuda says on that, that you do not need during the rest of the year. We say that there's a Machlaikis by Sukkah. 
Rabbi Yehuda Aymer, Sukkah, Adiris Keva, Be'inan. It's considered Adiris Keva. Umachayve Be'mezuzah. For Rabban and Sabri. Adiris Arai, it's considered Adiris Arai. Therefore, it's Potter. And the Machloikis is, by Lishkas, is that the Rabbanan hold that the Dira, this is considered, it's considered a Diras Balkarcha. And Diras Balkarcha is Shema Dira. Therefore, that's why it's Chayef. Rabbi Yehuda says, Diras Balkarcha is Loishme Dira. Therefore, it's Pater Midaraisa. But it is Chayef Midarabanan. Why is it Chayef Midarabanan? Shalayemru. So the people, the Am should not say, Kayim Gadol Chavosh Bebeis Hasurin. It's like the Kayim Gadol is trapped in there. It's like he's in jail for seven days before Yom Kippur. The Nafkamina here, which way you hold, is if a jail cell would need a mezuzah or not, because a person is held in jail against his will. Therefore, it's based on this machlekas whether a jail would need a mezuzah or not. Today we paskin through most of the Rishayim that the only time we would have a chiv midaraisa is if a person both owns a house and he lives in it also. Then he would be mechayv. You need those two requirements to have a chiv of mezuzah. If he only rents it, but he does not actually own it, then he's only chayv midarabanan. Since the Pasuk says, Beisecha, and since a person is renting it and it is not his house, therefore he would only be Chayev Midarabanan. If a person owns it and he does not live in it, we also say that he is Pater Midaraisa, but Chayev Midarabanan, because we say that Mezuzah is a Chayvas Hadar, and he doesn't live in it, therefore he would be Pater Midaraisa, but Chayev Midarabanan. Tafyur Alf. Bisha Arecha teaches us, Echad Sha'arei Batim, Echad Sha'arei Ayarais, Ayarais, Chatseres, and Medinas, that these are all Chayev in Mezuzah. We then say that a shul, which has a chamber for the chazan to sleep, also needs a mezuzah. The Gemara says that a person's mezuzah should be checked twice in seven years, but a mezuzah of a rabbim should only be checked twice in 50 years, because it's considered a tircha de tzibura. The Gemara says that the shari mechuzah did not have a mezuzah, because they were afraid of sakana. What sakana exactly happened? One mezuzah checker was once fined 100 zuzin by local people. So the Gemara asked, didn't Rebbe Lazar say, Shluch mitzvah, Shluche mitzvah in an If Shluch mitzvah in an so how is it possible that there should be a sakana when a person checks a mezuzah? So the Gemara answers, Shluche mitzvah in an does not apply if the sakana is very shchiach. And since over here where they lived in cities where there was a lot of anti-Semitism and problems for the Jews, we say that it is considered very shchiach. Therefore, Shluche mitzvah in an does not apply. We then have a machlaikis rishainim between the Rajba and the Mordechai. If Shutfis Akum is considered Chayev the Mezuzah, we see from Rashi here that he holds like the Mordechai, and therefore he would be Pater. The Mordechai says that if you own something with Shutfis Hagai, he would be Pater from Mezuzah. The Rajba says Chayev, and we have a Raya here from Rashi like the Mordechai that he's Pater. Since Rashi specifically states that the Bnei Mechuzah were mostly Jews, what's the Chiddush? What does he have to say that they were mostly Yid? Obviously, if they had been mostly Goyim, he would have been Pater. This is the Shita of the Mordechai. The reason for the Ptur is since it says, Beisecha Ubisharecha. So it has to be owned by Jews. We then say that a storage house or an animal barn, those are generally considered Pater from Mezuzah, because they're not considered Makam Dira. However, if Nashim used these rooms to apply cosmetics, then it's a Machlaikas. The Gemara says that bathrooms and bathhouses are Pater from Mezuzah, since people go undressed in those areas. We then say that a gate which is not ten tefachim high, or a gate which does not have a ceiling, is potter from mezuzah. Let's say we're in a situation where this gate is a kippa, which is an arch. So Rameir says to Chayev in mezuzah anyway, because we say chaykikin lahashlam. We cut out part of the arch to now create a 90 degree angle. And you can see this inside the side of the Gemara here, 
on this daf. The Chachamim, however, say Potter. So we do not say Chaykikin Lahashlim. However, both agree that if between the floor and the beginning of the arch is at least ten Tvachim tall and four Tvachim wide, then you would be Mechaev in Mezuzah anyway. We then say that a woman's room and a shul are Chayev in Mezuzah. And then the Gemara says, Beisecha teaches us Derech Biascha, that you put the Mezuzah on the side you confront first. And since a person puts his right foot into a door first, you put a mezuzah on the right doorpost and not on the left. The Gemara says anyone who hoards his house and who does not share his kalim or his house with others will be affected with a nega for all to see. In Yeridea, Simon, Reish, Pei, Dalad, Sif, Gimel, we pass him that a base haknesses is always putter from mezuzah, since it's not considered a base dira, but a base medrash, where people learn, is a shaila, since people use it all day. So today, generally speaking, we put up in a base medrash, we put up a mezuzah, but we put it up without a bracha. Tafyud base. There's a machlekes if Yerushalayim can have tumas negayim. This is dependent on if Yerushalayim was part of the nachla that was divided amongst all the shvatim. The Gemara says part of the harabais belonged to Yehuda, but the ulam, the heichal, and the kaidish kadashim were in the chelik of Binyamin. We say when people came up to Yerushalayim for Alila Regal, the homeowners were not allowed to charge them to sleep in the beds in their bedrooms, but they were allowed to take carbonous hides and empty jugs as the schar for sleeping there. The Gemara says the belt of the Kain Gadol and Yom Kippur was made out of boots, out of linen, and finally we say this year's a big day Yom Kippur could not be used again for next year's Avoida. Tafud Gimel. According to Rabbi Yehuda, the Kain Gadol marries a second wife in case his first wife dies, as we said before. He has to be married on Yom Kippur. The Rabbanah did not worry at all about this Misa, since it isn't Shriach. Regarding Tuma, we say, So we don't worry so much that he will become Tameh, because we know that he is Zaris. A Kain Gadol is not allowed to have two wives on Yom Kippur, because it says, referring to one wife. Therefore, he's married to both, but he gives each one a conditional get. The Yerushalmi learns that the Kain actually marries the second wife on Yom Kippur itself, and even though it's an Isidur Abanan to marry on Yontav, since we need this for the sake of the Avaida, we say that Ein Shvus B'Migdash, and therefore it is okay for him to marry the second wife on Yom Kippur. And finally the Gemara says a Kayin Gadol can do Avaida, even when he's an Ainan, Mashenkin a Kayin Hedyot is not allowed to do that, but he cannot eat from the meat. Rashi says that all Basar Kachim should only be eaten B'Tzli Uvechardo, in a time of Simcha, and since a Kayin Gadol is an Ainan, he's not allowed to eat from it. We have a mission here. On every one of the seven days of Hafrasha, the Kayin Gadol would bring, and he would be Zarek Dam of the Tamid, he would be Makter the Kataris, and he would clean the Neris of the Menaira, and he would also be Makter the Emurim. This would get him used to doing the Avaida, which he would be getting ready to do on Yom Kippur. The rest of the year, the Kayin Gadol could be Makrev whenever he wanted to. The Gemara says that Rabbi Chizda says that this Mishnah is not like Rabbi Akiva. The Gemara says the Paraduma was metaher, a person who was tame, but at the same time it was also metame, a person who was tar. And in fact, any of the people who worked with the mechatas and who worked with the Paraduma, they all became tame. However, we know from Rashi that the sprinkler, the person who actually does the sprinkling of the mechatas of the Paraduma, he remained tar. And here we have the famous kasha of the Chassam Sefer. The Chassam Sefer asks, we know that the Paraduma had this magic ability to be metahir, people who were Tameh, but it also was metameh, all the people who worked with it, who were now Tahar, and it made, it made them Tameh. 
However, we say that the person who actually did the sprinkling, he remained tar. If everyone becomes tame when they deal and they prepare this mechatas, surely the person who does the sprinkling should become tame. He mamish took it and he sprinkled with it. Why does he remain tar? So Chassam Seifer answers, this is a lesson for people in life. That since everybody else just did little parts, they did a little roll here and there to prepare this water to be sprinkled, they all became tame. They didn't do anything with it, really. By shaking the person who actually did the sprinkling, he took this water and he did with it what it was intended to be done. He actually did the sprinkling. Therefore, he remained tar. So the same thing applies to people in, in life. People are mechuyev to take the talents that they are given and actually do them l'shem shamayim, to do something with them l'shem shamayim. So if people do them and take the talents that they have and they use them for purposes of shamayim, to be shem shamayim, they actually remain tar and they grow in Yiddishkeit. Mashenkin, a person who has many talents and who doesn't use them, chas they can become tamay. Finally, the Gemara says that there's a machlekes tanayim if the kataris was first or the cleaning of the menorah of the neiris was first. The Tomit Shel Shachar had a sprinkling that was Shtayim Shehen Arba. It was sprinkling on two corners, the northeast and the southwest, but it was Shehen Arba because it actually touched the four different directions. We then say that the sprinkling of the Oila is done from the Ritzpah, from the floor, while the sprinkling of the Chattis is done from the top of the Mizbeach. We then say that we sprinkle the northeast corner first before the southwest, because of the klal of kalpina sha'ata paina lo yiyeh ala yamin lemizrach. Since we know that the kevish, the ramp that went up to the mizbeach, came from the south, when you now get to the top of the mizbeach and you turn right, you would do something with azrika somewhere on the eastern side. And since we know that the site of the mizbeach was on the northeast and it was not on the southeast, you would then sprinkle it on the northeast corner first. We then say that the carbon tamid needed bikor, in other words, it needed to be checked for Mumin four days before the Haktara. And finally, we say the Beis HaMaikid was an area of the Beis HaMikdash used as a warming place for the Kahanim. It had four chambers, and the northwest corner was the Lishkas Hatzlaim, which was used for storage of the sheep. The Ezra's Nashim was 135 by 135 Amas, and it also had four chambers in the corners. All the entrances on the Harabais were 20 Amas tall and 10 Amas wide. The Chil had 12 steps that led to the Ezra's Nashim. Each of these steps, by the way, were a half an amma tall. And then there were 15 steps from the Ezra's Nashim up to the Ezra's Yisrael, and another 12 steps from the Mizbeach to the Ulam. And since each step was a half an amma high, so the Ulam was actually 19 ammas higher than the level of the Harabayas. Rabbi Elizabeth Yaakov says that it was 22 ammas higher. The Gemara says that the total east-west length of the Azara was 187 amas, and from north to south it was 135 amas. The Mizbeach was 32 amas wide. Rabbi Yehuda says that the Mizbeach was in the center of the Azara. Others say that it was in the northern side. Others say that it was in the southern side. There's a Machlekes where the Lishkas Lechem HaPanim was. Either it was in the southeast corner of the Beis HaMaikit or in the northwest corner of the Beis HaMaikit. The Gemara says that the Kayin Gadol was able to choose to be makar of any carbon he wanted and eat any one he wanted, or in fact eat any of the lechem upon him he wanted, even up to four or five of them. <coughs> the Gemara says that it's not nice to give the Kayin Gadol a prusa, just a piece of the challah, but rather we always give him a whole challah. We then say that the Kohanim were automatically entitled to two special challahs from the lechem upon him 
as a schar for hagafas delasis, for closing of the doors and watching of the migdash and watching the azara. Tafirchas. We have a Mishnah. The Mishnah says that the Zakenim would read from the Parshish of Acharemas about the Seder Hayyim of Yom Kippur, and they would tell the Kohen Gadol to learn them and all the halachas during the seven days of Hafrasha. On Erev Yom Kippur, they would show him the animals, and he would become familiar with that for the Avaidah on Yom Kippur. The Gemara says that the Kohen Gadol should be stronger, wiser, and wealthier, wealthier than his brethren. We also say that on Erev Yom Kippur, we fed the Kayin Gadol eggs and flowery foods so that he would be able to digest all of the food quicker. And we do not give him fat meat, old wine, or esregim. Just before Yom Kippur, they did not let the Kayin Gadol eat a lot because they were afraid that he might get sleepy on the night of Yom Kippur. We then say that there are numerous foods, for example, like garlic, which can bring a person easily to Tumas Keri. And we say that a person should not marry two separate women in two separate Medinas, because we're afraid of Mamzeris. It's very possible that one group of children may not know the other group, and they may not realize that they have half-brothers and sisters, and it could lead to Mamzeris. We then say, In other words, it's easier for a non-married person to be nikshal and carry. Then we have a Mishnah. The Zikne Bezdin would give the Kain Gadol to the Zikne Kahuna, and they would make him swear that he would do the Avaida properly, referring specifically to the Ktaris. Then they would all cry. They would cry since they had to be chayshed the Kain, and they had to make him swear. Therefore, they would cry over this. And then they learned the Halachas and read for him, for the Kain Gadol, from Divrei Hayamim, from Iyav, from Ezra, from Daniel, all the night of Yaim Kippur, Tafiutas. We said that the Kain Gadol had two special chambers in the base Hamigdash, one in the north and one in the south. And the Gemara says that the Lishkas Hagazis was a chamber used for the gatherings of the Sanhedrin. And the Azara, in general, had seven gates. On the day of Yom Kippur, the Kayin would be Taivel in the Mikvah five times. And this Mikvah was on the roof of the Beis HaParva. Also, the Kayin Gadol had ten Kiddushin, ten washings of his feet and his hands. The Gemara says that Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, We then say that a person who is reading Kriyashma should not gesture with his eyes or signal with his hands, especially during the first parsha of Kriyashma. Then the Gemara Darshan's words, Vidibarta Bam. This means either you should say the words of Kriyashma loudly, Mashenkin, of course, in Shemot Asri, where you say it quietly, or Vidibarta Bam means that a person should Vidibarta Bam, speak words of Tyra, but not speak Dvarim Betelem. Then we have a Mishnah that says that if a Kayan fell asleep or began to fall asleep on the night of Yom Kippur, the other Kohanim would snap their fingers and suggest that he walk on the cold floor of the Beis HaMikdash. Tavchav. The Satan on Yom Kippur has no right to influence Hashem against Klal Yisrael. He only has the ability on the 364 other days of the year to influence Hashem, but not on Yom Kippur, because on Yom Kippur it is a day of Rachamim, where Hashem is listening to all of Klal Yisrael and to all the people to do tshuva v'chapara. And then we say, there's a little bit of an introduction we should, we should mention here, that there were two Mizbechais in the Beis HaMikdash, a metal one in the Heichal, which was between the Shulchan and the Menorah. It was used to burn the Kteris every day. And second of all, a stone one with a ramp, a Kevesh. This was outside of the Azara and used for all the different Karbanas, for the animals. The Mishnah says, every day the Kayan would remove ashes from the Mizbeach at dawn. This was called the Trumas Hadesha. And at dawn meant at the time the rooster crows. On Yom Kippur, the Kayin Gadol used to do it at midnight. And on Yom Tov, he used to do it after the first watch, 
after the Ashmura Harishaina, in other words, one-third of the way through the night. The Gemara asks, what is Kriyas HaGever exactly? Rav says when a person calls out, and if Sheila says, that is when the rooster calls out. The Gemara says when a Kayin said, Ana Hashem on Yom Kippur, they heard him as far away as Yerichai. Speaking about a voice, the Gemara says that a person's voice carries farther and better at night than it does during the day. And finally, the Gemara says there are three sounds that travel throughout the world, including childbirth. A person should not leave his house before the rooster crows in the morning because it's, it's a sakana, it's dangerous. We then say that when a person and when people went to the Beis Hamikdash, the Azara was absolutely packed, completely packed with people. But when they came to the point in the Avaida where they had to bow down, there was enough room for everyone. There was a nase that actually happened, and there was enough room for everyone to bow down. The Gemara says that there were ten nisim that happened in the Beis Hamikdash, and this is also brought down in Ovis Parakeh. Number one. Women, women never miscarried, even though there was a smell of karbanas, and they would therefore have an urge and a taiva to want to eat some of these. They never miscarried. Number two, the karbanas never got spoiled. Number three, in the area where they used to shecht the karbanas, they never saw flies around the dead animals. Number four, a kain gadol never saw kerry on Yom Kippur and became puzzle. Number five, six, and seven, the oimer, the shteha lechem, and the lechem upon him were never puzzle. The fact that the carbon armor would have become puzzle, they would not be able to be matir, the chadash. Number eight, there was room in the base of English for everyone to bow down. Number nine, no one was ever bitten by a snake or a scorpion. And finally, number ten, no one ever complained about being uncomfortable in Lina. We know that after bringing a carbon or during the Aliyah Laregel, people had to sleep overnight in Yerushalayim. As we learned to Fanisa Babaikir of Yalachtal Yayalacha, they slept overnight. Still, an unload ever complained about this. The Gemara then adds the lechem hapanim, when it was removed from the shulchan one week after it was put there, it was still considered, it was still warm. That was a nice. Also, the aron in the Beis did not take up as much space as it should have. The kruvim also did not take up any space. And finally, Shlema HaMelech planted golden trees in the Beis HaMikdash, and they produced sweet-tasting fruits. Then the Gemara says there were five things unique about the fire on the Mizbeach, including the fact that it resembled a lion and there was no smoke, on the Mizbeach. We then say that there were five things in the Bayes Rishon which were missing from the Bayes Sheni. Number one, the Aran, Kapiris, and the Kruvim. Number two, the Esh, Shamayim, on the Mizbeach. Number three, the presence of the Shechina. Number four, Ruach HaKadosh of the Nevi'im. And number five, the Urim Vitumim. It was called the Urim Vitumim because it was the Aura, it was the light that helped people make, that helped people complete a thought, the Tumim. This was used to help make decisions. And finally, we say that western winds are bad for Eretz Yisrael, but good for Bavel. But southern and northern winds are good for everyone. This marks the end of the first parak of Masechtas Yuma. Before we begin the second parak, let us give a brief hakdama. All of the Kohanim were divided into 24 Mishmarais. Every Shabbos, a new Mishmar would take over the Avodah for the upcoming week. Each Mishmar was divided into six Batayavas, one for each day of the week. On Shabbos, all the Kohanim helped. This parak describes how the Avaida was divided up amongst the Batayavas. This was done via a pious, via a lottery system. Rashi explains that all the Kohanim would create a circle, and a Mamuna would take the hat off of one of the Kohanim. All the Kohanim would then put forth one of their fingers, and the Mamuna would call out a number, and then he would start counting from the Kayan without a hat until that particular number, Kayan, was reached and the Kayan, where the pious, where the lottery landed on, 
he would be the winner to do the Avoida. One point just to mention is, is on Yom Kippur, there of course was no pais, since on Yom Kippur only the Kayin Gadol was allowed to do the Avoida. And here we have the Mishnah, on Daf Chav Beis. At the beginning, when they first began this, any Kayin who wanted to do the Trumas Hadesha, which was the removal of the ashes, could do it. Then came a point where too many of the Kohanim wanted to do it, and at a point where there were a number of Kohanim that came to do it, they had a race up to Kevesh, up the ramp to the Mizbech. And whoever got there to the top first, he was Zaycha to do the Aveda of Trumas Hadesha. If there was a tie at the top, then they would do a pious, they would do a lottery. However, after a while, when all of these races became very dangerous, and there was Mises where one kind would push the other off to Kevesh, then they were Masakin and that all the choices for the kind to do the Aveda was done via a pious. And there were four paisais each and every day. The Gemara says originally there was no pious at all for Trumas Hadeshan. The reason they didn't have a pious is because they thought, the administration thought, since it was done during the night before, it wouldn't be very popular since the Kahana would have to get up in the middle of the night. They eventually learned that this was not the case, and people would get up anyway to do this malacha. The Gemara says the same Kahana that won the pious for the Trumas Hadeshan would also get to do two other Avaidas regarding the Eitzim. This was an incentive to get the Kohanim to participate in the pious for the Trumas Hadeshan. The Gemara asks, why did the Kohanim have to put out a finger? Why didn't they simply just count the Kohanim by themselves and say one, Kohanim number one, Kohanim number two? The Gemara answers, Amr Bitzchak, Asr Limnais Es Yisrael, Afilu Mitzvah. You're not allowed to count people, even if you're counting for the purpose of a Dvar Mitzvah. And if a person does this, they are either on one, possibly two, Lavin. The Bogen Avram, in Simon Kufnun Vav, says that it is also to do this, and the Rambam agrees with that. And we see this from Parshish Kisisa, Lo Nega Aisam, by Machsis HaShekel, we say that we shouldn't cause a Nega by counting them. Rashi says the reason this is true, and you're not supposed to count, is because it could cause an Ayin Hara. Today, in fact, we don't count people either. In fact, even when we do a Dvar Mitzvah, like we count people for a minion, we do not count one, two, three, but rather we say something else, like a Shia Esamecha. The Gemara says once a person is chosen to be leader of a tzibur, he becomes wealthy. And we see this from Shaul Amelach. The Gemara says Shaul made one major Avera. He did one major Avera in his life. He did not kill Agag, the Melech of Amalek. And the Melucha was taken from, from him, from Shaul Amelach, since he didn't have Siatha Deshmaya and he did not do Tshuva. Mashenkin David Amelach did two Averas. He caused the death of Uriah Hachiti, the husband of Bathsheba. And also, he did the Aver of that he counted Klal Yisrael. But he did not lose his Malchus, since he did Tshuva, and he was Mispalal Ta'akadosh Baruch The Gemara mentions that the Chet of Batsheva, which David did, he had already been punished for since he became a Mitzvah, and lost the Sanhedrin for a period of six months. The Gemara says when Shaul became Melech, he was so pure that he was like a one-year-old baby. And we say the Malchus of Shaul was not destined to last very long, since Shaul had a perfect background of Yichus. Mashenkin David had the story of Rus HaMoavia and Rabbi Yechanan said Ein mamidin parnes al hatzibor ala imkein kupa shal shratzim You do not make a person the head of a tzibor unless he has somewhat of a bad background at least a little bit of a background. Bad background. Why is that so? So if this leader gets has too much gaiva the tzibor can cool him off by saying to him hey you know you remember you have that background be careful. Finally the Gemara says Shaul got into trouble because he was Michael on his covet. And we say, Melech Shemachal al Kvaidai, ain't Kvaidai Machal. Tafchov Gimel. 
We know that there are two Isurim and Torah, Laisikaim Sitar. What is the difference between these two? Laisikaim is if Ruvain does not lend Shimon money. So then Shimon comes back to him and says, you know what, you didn't lend me money, I'm not going to lend you money either. That's Nakama. Laisitar is holding a grudge. That's when Shimon comes along and says, you know what, Ruvain, even though you didn't give me money, I'm going to give you anyway. So in other words, he wasn't, he didn't, there wasn't any Nakama here, but rather he held a grudge against him and he said that to him. That's Laisitar. The Gemara says that if a person is embarrassed and he does not answer back, he will get schar for avas Hashem. We say that there was a Misa on one of the races up to the top of the Kevish where one Kayan actually killed another one because he did not win the pies. The Gemara says if a Cholol, a dead body, is found outside of Yerushalayim, Reb Tzadik says the city does not have to bring an Egla Arufa. We know normally when a dead body is found outside of a city, the city that is closest to the dead body has to bring an Egla Arufa. This halacha, however, does not apply to Yerushalayim. Rabbi Eliezer says, Kayan, Kahanim, who were Balei Mumen, and who could not do the normal Avaida, were able to do the Avaida of the Trumas Hadesha. We say that the Ksainas must fit the Kayan properly, and the Mechnasayim must be put on before the other Begadim. And we also say, Begadim worn by the Kayan Gadol on this year's Yom Kippur cannot be worn again on next year's Yom Kippur. Tafchof the minimum shear for Trumas Hadeshen, for taking of the ashes, is a fistful of ashes, a Malay kaimitz. The Gemara says there were four avoidus, there are four avoidus, that if a czar, a person who is not a kain, does them, he is chayv misa bidei shamayim. What are these four things? Number one, zrikas dam. Number two, haktaras basar emurim mincha. Number three, the nisuch hamayim, which is done on sukkas. And number four, the nisuch hayayin, which is done every day for the carbon tamid. Levi also adds from the Pasuk of Vahazar HaKarev Yumas that if a czar brings the Trumas Hadeshen and does the Trumas Hadeshen, he is also Chayav Mizabideh Shemayim. Rav says he is not. The Gemara says that putting wicks or holders in the Menorah is not Chayav Misa, since this is a considered an Avaida Sheyesh Achareha Avaida. It's Avaida that once you begin doing it, it has more work afterwards. In general, we say the lighting of the Menorah is not considered an Avaida since there is no specific tzivoy regarding lighting the menorah. Because it says in Parshas Baaleischa, Baaleischa is mashma as you light, but there's no specific tzivoy that a person has to light. So if the menorah is outside of the heichal, it could be lit by azar, lechatchila even. The Rabbim holds even lechatchila azar could light it. The Ravid says only b'dyevet azar could light it. So we could ask a kasha on the Rambam. According to the Rambam, why does the Torah address Baaleischa specifically to Aaron? specifically to the Kahanim, it says, Daber al-Aaron. Who says they have to say it, HaKadosh Baruch to say it to Moshe, in other words, to say it over to Aaron, it should have been addressed to everybody. So the Meshach Chachma in Baalei answers, since the initiation process was specifically for Aaron, they were told how to do it specifically. But later on, once it was already done, and it was already initiated, anyone could technically light it. Of course, this is only if it's outside of the Heichal, because the Zohar is not allowed to go inside the Heichal. And finally, we say the pious happened while the Kohanim were wearing Big Dechal, according to Reb Nachman. But according to Reb Sheshes, the pious happened while the Kohanim were already wearing Big Day Kaidish. We paskin like Reb Sheshes. The Lishkas Hagazis was a large chamber, and the pious was done on the east side of it. And we say that half of the Lishkas Hagazis was Kaidish, and half was not. We then have a Mishnah. The second pious was done for 13 specific avaydas, including the Shechita and the Zrikas Adam. 
And these 13 Avaidas were all related to the Karban Tamid. The Gemara says that the Kayin who brought the Kataris also had the Schus to assign the Machta. These Avaidas were Skulas for Ashiras. The Gemara says Azar is allowed to do Shechita, but not anything beyond Shechita. Anything from the Kabbalah and on must be done by a Kayin. Ben Katin, who was a Kayin Gadol, made 12 spouts for the Kiyar. The Kiyar was the water fountain. And why did he do this? He did it so that the 12 Kohanim who did this Avaida for the Tamid could do Kiddush, Yadayim, Raglayim simultaneously. And finally, the Gemara discusses that there are numerous Shitas on the order that the different parts of the animal were brought onto the Mizveach. Tavchafav, <coughs> the Mishnah. This Mishnah talks about the third pious. And the third pious was done for the Ketaris. We say that the Ketaris was only open to Kohanim who were never Makriv the Ketaris before. This was because bringing the Ketaris made the person who brought it rich, made him wealthy. Therefore, they wanted to give everyone a chance to bring the Ketaris, all the Kohanim. In Yeradea, Hilchas Mila, Simen Reish, Samachai, Sif Aleph, the Ramah says that being a Sandik by a Bris is equivalent to being Makdir the Ketaris. That's why once a person is a Sandik for one person's son, he should not be a Sandik for, another, for the person's other sons also. The Ramah says this. In other words, let's say Ruvain is a Sandik by Shimon's son's Bris. He should not be a Sandik by Shimon's second son's Bris also. This is just like the Ketaris, where we wanted to give everybody a chance to do it. The Grud disagrees, and he says he does not agree with this, since if that was the case, then once you're a Sandik once in general, you should never be a Sandik again. In other words, where do you draw the line? The Gemara says that the people who paskined Shilas, the Tzurvei Merabanan, came from either Levi or from Yisachar. We say that the same Kayin who did the Tamid Shal Shachar did the Tamid Shalbein Harbayim. There was no special pious for the Tamid Shalbein Harbayim, except on Shabbos, where the Mishmar was changed during the day. We then talk about the fourth pious. That was to choose who brought the Evarim on the Kavish and to be Makdir on the Mizbeach. Then we have another Mishnah. The Akravas HaTamid was done with 9, 10, 11, or 12 Kohanim. And the Avaitis relating to this included carrying the animal parts and the Minchas Nesachim and the Yayim. We say that on Sukkot, the Nisuch HaMayim was only done by the Tamid Shalshachar. And we say the Kayin is supposed to hold the water by the Nisuch HaMayim on Sukkot. He's supposed to hold the water high and pour it on to the Mizbeach. We know that once there was a Maisa with a Kayin who was Tztuki, who poured the water on his feet, and the Am stoned him with their Asraigim. We then have another Mishnah that says some Karbanas were brought by extra Kohanim. For example, the Ayin was done with 11, the Ayel was done with 11 Kohanim. A Par was brought with 24 Kohanim. In general, a Pais is only used for Karbanas Tzibor, but by Karbanas Yachid, any Kayin could do it. The Nadeb Yehuda says that the person who actually brought the Karban who was obviously not a kain, he got to choose which kain would get to bring the kain, would get to bring the carbon. And finally, we say a non kain was allowed to do the cutting and the skinning of the animal, the hefshit venituach, tafchav zayin. Azar is allowed to do shechita, but anything after the shechita he is not allowed to do, because we say mitzvahs kohanim mi kabbalah v'yelach. The Gemara says bringing the eitzim to the kavesh does not need kahuna, but putting them on the mizbeach must be done by a kain. And this process is called the Cedar Shnei Gzirei Eitzim. The Gemara says a Zar who does Avoida is Chayev in Misa Bidei Shemayim, 
and the carbon that he brings becomes puzzle. Rabbi Yechanan says, you could fix this carbon if the Kayin rearranges it on the Mizbeach. And finally we say, Rava says that a pious is only required for a carbon that is brought and or avayda that is done during the day, and one that a czar would be chayev misa shamayim if he did it. This marks the end of the second parak. On the next tape, we will Amir Tashem begin the third parak, which discusses the specific details of the avayda on the day of Yom Kippur.